Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the second episode of the CaliCast. I'm your host, Gron, joined by my co-host, Sheikh Tariq. Assalamu alaikum. And let's begin. Let's do it. Sheikh Tariq, have you heard about Kyrie Irving? How he converted to Islam recently? Yeah, we got uh, getting a lot of news. I so let me all give him tawfiq. I mean, I feel like as I get older, I don't know if it's just YouTube giving me better recommendations or learning my algorithm better, but I feel like as I get older, more and more celebrities and more and more people just start coming into religion, coming into religion. Well, no doubt, as you said, YouTube helps. Right? Yeah. There's... Um, the algorithm what now what gets the most views and so when you have a celebrity who's an NBA star um, who already has a huge following just because he's an NBA star now you add that to social media his views his uh, his name is going to get a lot more searches and so it kind of comes to us so social media has played a role no doubt in um, bringing this information to us mm -hmm. maybe 20 30 years ago without YouTube without Instagram and these things Maybe only those who heard the press conference or whatever it was that he, he spoke this will know about it. And then it will take time for it to spread. But now with social media, I mean, everything just goes fast. Um, but it, interestingly, you know, there's a YouTube video that tracks the, the amount of followers of, of the major religions in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you could just YouTube it. And Islam, I don't even think it was, a, it was a, in the top three for most of its history. What we find is in over the past 100 years, you just find this huge increase, uh, proliferation of the number of Muslims. Huge to where, you know, it's projected to surpass Christianity by, I think, 2050 or something, or 20, 20, uh, the 22nd century. Mm -hmm. um, but 100 years ago, I mean, there was no comparison between the amount of Christians and the amount of Muslims. And Muslims a lot less. And so you just find this huge boom. So no doubt with globalization, with the the mixing of the world with each other Islam is definitely starting to uh, take a lot get a lot of traction in terms of number of conversions and let's say a hundred years ago when Islam didn't reach Siberia or it didn't reach certain parts of the world or how would those people be judged um, you know that's a very known issue Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we do not uh, punish anyone until we send them a messenger mm -hmm. and so the general rule is that Allah does not hold someone accountable until the truth until the message reaches them uh, once it does reach them then um, that they are accountable now the scholars differ as to uh, the details from there mm -hmm. does the the pristine understanding of the religion need to come to them or just the name of Islam is enough so for example in the whole war on terror that whole nonsense mm -hmm. right, most of America in fact probably everyone in America now knows what Islam is whereas maybe before that Maybe not a good idea of Islam, but... Right, so not a good idea of Islam, obviously. But will they be held accountable simply because, well, you've heard of Islam, why didn't you look it up? Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, so the scholars differ. Allahu ta'ala alam. I mean. And that's interesting that you bring that war on terror. I remember I heard somewhere, like you were saying, globalization, as time goes on, more people uh, learn. Uh, after 9-11, you'd think that less people would convert, but the rate of conversions increased because people were starting mm -hmm. to research it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's something we saw. It was very interesting. It was a scary time, man. It was a very scary time. I, I remember when the day it happened. I was, I started hear, hearing the news on my way to to school. I was on mm -hmm. the bus, and the kids were just talking about like an airplane hit a building and just exploded. Um, and we just didn't know what was going on. And I remember that night, my dad was so worried. I could see in his face he's scared. He's worried. Why? Because he was afraid the Muslims did it, or a group of Muslims did it, and that's exactly what happened. And just, uh, then you, the onset of two decades of shenanigans until Trump came and um, that whole fiasco. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people became more curious about what's the deal. 
Mm-hmm. How is there a religion that that promotes this? And some people they're just curious in nature. They went and they research and say, "Wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, there's something off here. This is not what they're they're telling us in the media." Mm-hmm. And many accept it. But at the same time, my guess is that more people did not do that, and more people's understanding of Islam was corrupted and tainted as a result. So let's not let's be careful in that regard. You know, there's two sides to that coin. I remember hearing a story about a, I don't know if it was Dutch you know yeah Dutch because it's Netherlands uh, a Dutch politician who was like super right really hated Islam you know very don't get don't bring any immigrants to my country Islam is bad all this that that, that. kind of guy yeah and he was uh, he was he was like people sometimes actually I don't know but yeah he was very right like no Islam in my country and he wanted to prove Islam wrong logically so he went and wrote a book about it he's, he's like I'm a research book and I'm gonna write it so prove to everybody that Islam is wrong and it's terrible so he goes for like I think two years to research Islam and over the course of these two years he converts because yeah. at the end he's no, like I remember There's that. it's very interesting man subhanAllah it's just, um, you have people in mean, the time of the Prophet I thought some were exactly like that right? mm-hmm. Khalid Walid um, Abu Sufyan they eventually accepted Islam yeah. subhanAllah so you'll always find figures like that and uh, one might question well these people were so vicious against Muslims and Islam how does how does light enter the heart? This is a very interesting question. You, know, you have people who are vicious like that who Allah ends up guiding. Mm-hmm. And you have people who are very nice, very passionate. They will defend you, right? But they don't accept Islam. So how is it that this heart that seems corrupt accepts Islam, but the heart that seems pure and good does not? Um, it's a very interesting thing to think about. And my, where I'm at in that regard is that although these people were vicious, they were sincerely defending what they thought was truth. Mm. To them, it wasn't an issue. It may not have been an issue of these are Muslims and they're not us. It was more of an issue that Christianity is the truth and I'm trying to defend that truth for the sake of God. Just like we Muslims, if a Christian or a Jew or an atheist were to attack Islam, we're going to stand up to defend it. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're never vicious, right? Uh, But... The goal is that we are trying. We are sincerely trying to defend what we believe is the truth. So this person, he wanted the truth. Again, this is just perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. And so when he found the truth, he accepted it. He couldn't deny it. He couldn't deny it because his goal from the start was the truth. It was just distorted to him. It was adulterated. Whereas these good people who are good in their character and their manners, they didn't really care too much about the truth. For them, it wasn't about the truth. For them, it was just we think this is the right thing to do. Or this is how I grew up. Mm. Uh, so this is a very, very nuanced difference. A very subtle difference, but it makes all the difference. It makes you think every time you hear somebody like on the news, even like, Trump, let's say, popular polarizing figure Trump, for example. Obviously, a lot of Muslims don't like him. You mm-hmm. know, Muslim ban, um, called Mexi- Mexicans like rapists, don't bring him up. So you always wonder, like, if he, if he's, I always think about this. If this person is guided like three years down the line, how, how, how would that change everybody's perception? How, how would that go? And it's always it's always makes me think like can I be rude to this guy? Can I be mean? What if what if later like in three years he's better Muslim than I am, and then I just yeah, get it worse? Yeah, I mean I believe it's Imam Shafi'i who said something along this line. He said, "Never look down even a, even a, to a uh, a disbeliever, for you don't know that this disbeliever might accept Islam and become be- better than you. Mm. So never downplay anyone. So I mean that's part of Islamic uh, ethics, Islamic character. Um, we are not people who mock." to rid- ridicule I mean Allah makes it clear in the Quran that mockery ridiculing this is part this is a characteristic of the ignorant people as Musa alayhi salatu salam, 
uh, in the story of the cow. When his people, he told his people to slaughter the cow, I'm not going to get into the story there, mm-hmm. they said, I mean, you're making a mockery of us, you just, you know, you're ridiculing us. And he said, He responded and said, I seek refuge from Allah from being among the ignorant people. The Prophet never mocked. It's just not a characteristic of a believer. Even if the one uh, we're, we're engaging is a very en- a vicious enemy of Islam. We don't know the Prophet ever mocked Abu Jahl or Abu Lahab or any of these guys. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we, we retain that character and we never go into that. So how would we deal with people? Like for example now Trump, when he came a lot of the left or I don't know the correct word, a lot of the left-leaning or liberal um, media and shows that Saturday Night Live would always mock him. Is that mockery? Is that fine? Is that jo- Like where is the line? And how would you deal with people? I mean it, it's definitely not something Islam is going to endorse. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Uh, but Saturday Night Live and these, these things, there's, there's a lot more going on. Uh, Saturday Night Live is satirical. That's mm-hmm. it, its nature, right? Um, and so it's expected of people. Uh, but the right is doing it as well with the left. And th- this is very, very unhealthy. Very unhealthy. Because the mindset becomes, it, it's more tribalistic. It becomes, these are my people, therefore I'm going to defend them. And they're always right. These aren't my people, therefore I'm going to use every tactic to just uh, ridicule them, to, to downplay them, mm-hmm. to make them insignificant. Uh, and so this is very dangerous. It's very dangerous rhetoric. It's better that we Muslims don't get involved in it. Now, I'm not saying it's haram to, for someone to take a shot at Trump mm-hmm. or to watch Saturday Night Live. I mean, those skits were hilarious. <laughs> when, he, when he first got elected, they were hilarious, man. I loved watching them. I couldn't wait till Saturday to, to see the new skit with... Uh, the guy's name um that actor i forgot his name pete uh, davidson Dave no, no 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 um the one who's playing trump oh that guy i don't know uh, alex i don't whatever his name was they were hilarious man mm-hmm. so i'm not saying it's haram to watch something like that but when it comes to islamic ethics we really don't behave that way mm-hmm. we don't behave that way so how do we so do we do, like, do more of a constructive criticism like how? yeah i mean we could criticize we can critique mm-hmm. but mockery is not criticism nor is it critique it's just mockery so what about if me and my friends? Because I don't know if I tease a lot or mock a lot. Is there a difference between the two? I mean, if you you and your friends, you're just teasing each other. Mm-hmm. No, mockery is, is more serious. Okay. Right? Let's say, look at you. Look at you, You're an ugly person. Look okay, so it can be accidentally right? done to your friend. Not really, no. Okay. I mean, someone can I do it unintentionally. <laughs> I mean, they can, they can do it not realizing it's actually mockery. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd say there is a lot of difference between mockery and, and teasing. More of a malish, malicious intent? Uh, yeah. It's going to be more malicious. It's more offensive. It's more direct. It's hurtful. Mm-hmm. It's better to know. Yep. And uh, so, uh, speaking about media, Trump, all this, mm-hmm. and a lot of Muslims coming in. I, I was also curious when I when I learned about Kyrie, and I thought, oh, a lot of more Muslims are coming in than before. What? Uh, but I realized, like, at least in, in this area that I've been for a little bit, I went to high school here. Even though a lot of people are coming into religion and reverse, you see them strong. Why is it that like it, the Islam feels weak in America, or at least weak in certain parts of America? It's different than it was in New I mean, York or Chicago. I mean, that, that's the million-dollar ca- question I've been trying to answer since I've, I've, came, I've come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, being born and raised in Chicago, community is very strong there, very strong. And I remember in, in high school, man, I went to a public high school, and my, my class in high school was about 800, 900 people, 900 students in my, in my grade. And I remember before school starts, before class, first period starts, um, people would chill 
and the buses get sometimes a little bit early you have 10 minutes to to kill mm-hmm. and we're ch- we're chilling in the the lunchroom and i remember man i still it's something i always kind of chuckle when i remember it when i would enter so the, the lunchroom is you have this long stretch like this mm-hmm. and then you have a small area here okay when you enter i enter from here look to the left that's where all the white people are behind them are the asians go you have the table for blacks and then after that the, the latinos and after the arabs <laughs> and wherever you are you just go by your people no questions asked you're one of us your skin is the same <laughs> color <laughs> just by hues man it's automatically segregated it's automatic you just go by your the arabs you're automatically friends it doesn't mean you chill mm-hmm. out after school but this is one of us right we don't need to kind of build a relationship that relationship is already there that's just nature of Chicago. So when you go to Chicago, you have Little Italy, you have Chinatown, you have uh, Little Tokyo, I believe, you have uh, Little Greek, mm-hmm. uh, Greece, I'm sorry. And it just, they're all living together. There's a neighborhood for the Jews. There's a, in, uh, there's a little Palestine in the south suburbs in Bridgeview. Mm-hmm. That area. Just, Is there a little Israel next to it? <laughs> so I don't, I don't call it Little Israel. There's the Jewish neighborhoods in, uh, in northern Chicago, mm-hmm. in the northern suburbs. But man, when you get into like Little Palestine, I mean, the, the, it, 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 its name actually, it actually sticks. Okay. Like last time I went to Chicago, back in 2018, um, we went to Bridgeview. And my, my brother wanted a shawarma sandwich. So he went over there. I'm like, you know what, let's go chill with MC, look around. Hmm. Uh, my hometown stuff. So I go, man, and like, the cars are going by with the Palestinian flag, the cars. <laughs> and... We went into the drive-thru, man. The guy in front of us was ordering in Arabic. Really? In Arabic. <laughs> He's ordering in Arabic. <laughs> you enter literally an Arab place. Huh. That's how it was. The western suburbs, Daisy. That's where all the Daisies are. It was similar to New York, and then coming here, it's different. It's and different, yeah. So even, even, though, even though there's a good amount of Muslims, a good amount of Arabs. There's eight, uh, the last studies show that in Southern California, not all of California. Southern California, there are 800,000 Muslims. 800,000. Wow, that's a lot. Yep. Where are they? <clears throat> they don't have strong, as strong of a presence. And I'm just thinking, what's the deal? Why is it like that, man? Mm-hmm. I'm not used to what we have here at OCIF where the prayer hall can fit you know, 300, 350 people. I'm used to a, a message that could fit 3,000 people, man. I'm not used to Juma prayer only being 1,000 people. Which is not bad, and alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, that's pretty good. I'm used to Juma prayer being between two salahs, 5,000 people. Squished together. Right, corners. and the, the parking is just a mess. There's yep. <laughs> always double parking. That's what I'm used to. Stressful day. And I'm just trying to figure out why don't people come to the masjid, man? Why don't they come to the masjid? And I really don't know. Is life nicer uh, here? Uh, that's a common answer we get. You got the, the nature, the beaches and whatnot. But look, in the week, you're, you don't do those things. I can understand the weekend if the attendance goes down, fine. Mm-hmm. But during the week, and there are two things, I think. Two major challenges that we face here in Southern California. Uh, first, and I think this is the bigger problem, it has to do with proximity to the masjid. Over there, yeah, Dhuhr prayer on a weekday, you'll have 400 people. For Dhuhr prayer on a weekday, man. But why? Because the masjid is in an entire subdivision of about 300 homes. All of them were bought up by Muslims. Mm. all of them and so going to the masjid is a walking distance well why would I pray at home I was walking to the masjid and chill right, so that's one problem over here 
you know, yeah, you have people living five, ten minutes away from the masjid, but you have also a lot of people living in San Clemente, living in Aliso Viejo, 15, 20 minutes away, one way. Sacramento is 30. What's that? Sacramento is 30. 30, right? So your local message is 20, 30 minutes away. What's going to take you to Aisha prayer, man, after a long day's of work? It's true. 30 minutes going, 30 minutes coming back. I mean, it's like an entire commute. So that's one problem. And the land here is so expensive, and it's, so it's hard to build a subdivision that goes around the message. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Chicago, uh, Dallas, they do this quite a bit. So you have the large attendance. So I think one of it is really convenience, proximity to the masjid. A second thing here, a second challenge is the diversity here. In Chicago, Dallas, I mean, it's, it's pretty segregated. So the mosque I grew up in is not just an Arab mosque. It's a, it's a Palestinian mosque. <laughs> sub, sub. <laughs> right? Like 95% Palestinian. <clears throat> now, of course, there are Syrians, there are Lebanese, there are Egyptians, but the, the dominant group is like Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Syrians, they're in a different suburb, and they have the, the Syrian masjid, unfortunately, or unfortunately in the sense that it's called the Syrian masjid. Mm -hmm. The Daisy community, they're, they're kind of over there. And the community itself is strong, but the strength came from that cultural bond. Mm -hmm. When you have a very diverse community, it's hard to build a cultural bond. You don't really have a cultural bond. The culture has to be American. That's the culture that we all share. And so with the immigrant generation, that doesn't fly. Mm -hmm. That doesn't fly. Um, but for the youth, hopefully, you know, in the next 20 years or so, uh, once we see the youth getting a little bit older, we hope that, you know, that will not be as big of a challenge and the American culture will be able to kind of bring us together. Uh, or the Muslim American culture, I should say. Mm -hmm. So, Adam, that's where I'm at in that regard. Interesting take. But, yeah. e but even then, like, if you're in New York, you'd see some guy like, oh, is there a time when it's getting late? If you're at a park, a bunch of guys praying. Here... Yeah, I mean, it's even though there are a lot of Muslims here, I don't know, man. You just pray at home, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, another thing that that's kind of on my mind now, I need to to figure out, is that when the first waves of, of immigrants came to America, they really set, settled on the East Coast. We spoke about this last time. Yeah, um, it has to do closer proximity to them. But they came, they kind of studied, and. Some people were more curious. They wanted to explore a little bit, and they saw the beauty of Southern California, and so a lot of them came here. Also, the economy of California was really strong, still is. Uh, so there's a lot of money here, and there's a lot of a lot of livelihood here. Mm -hmm. uh, you can live, you know. I mean, you can you can live. Chicago, you're stuck in your home. It has to be family. That's how we used to chill back then. Cousins get together at one of our uncles' home, um, and we chill all night. Mm -hmm. The only thing we would do outside of the home was go watch a movie. Right? There was no outdoor activities. There was no and cool things to do. <laughs> yeah, because it's too cold. And in the summer, it's too humid. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's not really much nature. And even if you go outside in nature, the, the insects, the bugs are so annoying. It's not like here where, man, you go out, it's just beautiful. So there's a lot more livelihood here. And I think those who chose to come here, they came here with more of a worldly vision to life. I'm pursuing life. Does that make sense? I get what, yes, I see where you're coming uh, from. I, I'm attracted to this place because I'm attracted to the worldly life. And so those who came here, came here for worldly reasons. Even more so than the, the first wave or the waves of immigrants that came here. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that mindset and these children are going up in it, right, it's, it becomes very difficult for a religion to play an actual role 
in their lives or, or a pretty strong role. So that, that might be a reason as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just something on my mind I need to, need to seek out. Because when you look at the people here, right, unlike like all other communities of Muslims in America, you don't have many doctors per se. Here? In this community. Most years. people are more into business. They have small businesses, many small businesses. That's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. You don't, I mean, there are doctors, there are dentists, but not in the same amounts that you find in what I was accustomed to in the, in the uh, Chicago community. Mm -hmm. So many doctors and lawyers and engineers. Over here, no, they're, they're, they're uh, small business owners and they keep expanding, expanding, expanding. Right? So there, is, there seems to be a different mindset, a slightly different mindset. Mm -hmm. And over here in Southern California, people may be, may, again, I'm not 100% sure, they may be more leaning towards the worldly life than our brothers and sisters in the East Coast. Law I mean, Adam. it's easier because some of the best beaches in the world, some of the best... But I don't think that's the reason itself. I think what brought them here is the joy of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone who just finds it around them, I think that's a different mentality. If I'm kind of getting across here, does that make sense? I, I get what you're saying. It's a s right. subtle shift that turn, turns the way you think differently. Right. So there's a different. I grew. I I was born in California, and I found beaches around me. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not here for the beaches. I'm just here. Versus, oh, I see Southern California with the beautiful beaches. I want to live there. Okay. There's a difference in the mindset here, and that will affect the way we approach religion. And I think in general, this is something my, my wife has pointed out. My wife, born and raised in, in Jordan. Mm -hmm. um, she keeps telling me this. And only now I begin, I'm kind of seeing what she's saying. She says here that people here don't really talk about the afterlife. I'm talking about like family settings and just social settings here. Mm -hmm. There's really very little mention of the afterlife. And she's comparing you know, her experience to, to her time in Jordan or her life in Jordan. And that's actually a serious problem. Because the afterlife is our faith. I mean, it, without the afterlife, we have no faith. True. You cannot believe in God. You're not going to worship God if you don't believe there's an afterlife. And so this is something that, inshallah, you know, it really needs to get a lot more attention here in SoCal. I think it was Ali Dawa that, uh, maybe you've seen it, he, went, he did a social experiment, right? Where he says, I'll tell your future 100%. I will never get it wrong, free of charge, everything. And there was like a mirror. Or like, uh, it was like a, it was a standing, it was... It was a it was standing structure that was covered, uh, and it was covered with a rope. The, uh, the person didn't know that, that it was a mirror, but inside them it was a mirror inside of a coffin. Uh. So when it comes 100 percent, your future, this mirror will tell you 100 percent. And you take it off, and people realize like, oh, it's a mirror. So immediately, you know, they start, oh, that's so cool, so sick, fortune telling. Let me see. The second he dropped it, and people realize like, coffin, mirror, future is my death. Just shifted. They, they didn't go. Well, haha, okay, funny joke, but yeah, obviously I'm going to die. No, duh. They, they either became very, very, very depressed, and then immediately, and some of the guys especially, immediately very, very angry. One of the guys started trying to like almost attacking him. <laughs> like like he was so why, why did you tell me I was going to die? <laughs> I mean, the UK brothers are very clever. I love their, <laughs> I love their content. MashaAllah. I love you until feel. But if you're watching this all that way, you can get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that, that, that's, the, that's the point. Mm -hmm. Why do they react like that? Makes no sense. No, it makes sense. But if they're a Muslim, why are they reacting like that? Do you not know that death is coming? It's an obvious, it's a given. Mm -hmm. But why get mad over it? Why get mad over something that's a reality? 
It's like getting, why is the sky blue? <laughs> I'm so angry the sky is blue. Punch the sky. Why did the sun out? Co sun come out today? Why are you getting mad, mad, uh, mad man? It's, that's reality. Death is a reality. But what makes them mad is because death puts things into perspective. That's the problem. And we always feel like we're going to live forever. Yeah. That's I remember how humans uh, behave. I remember you always hear, or you know, you go to fire talks. Uh, death is soon. Death is like that. Life is a flash. Um, was the angel who has the horns on his? It's Rafil. It's Rafil, right? Like, we're about to die. Yeah. And you think like, yeah, you, like you could say, yeah, you're about to die, yeah, but, but it never. I wouldn't say it hit me, but I felt a little taste of life being short when I learned a fact where it says the average human, like, uh, human, average man in America lives 79 years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so how many years have? Well, they said 948 months to be more specific. I was like, okay, so how many months have I lived? It came to 241. And then I realized if I live to 79, which is a long life, if I live that long, I'm just 20. I recently turned 20. I live more than 25% of my life. 25.45% of my life. And it hits you where like, wait a minute. All this time I was at school and like, I don't remember nothing. I, I just kind of grew up, played a little bit, went to school, went to my prayer. Like, what did I do? And like, I'm going to be dead soon? Like, this is it? Yeah. So it hits you. I need a reaction. I could which is like oh that's kind of sad but I guess the only thing that matters is your deeds deeds that's the point of the Quran you know, why does the Quran talk about in thousands of verses mm -hmm. the next life it shows how like useless everything I did was no it's not in that sense no, useless as in all the stuff that wasn't worth my time like I really wasted my time on that no, you, we gotta be careful with that you can't just let go of life life is life that's it's all like creative I'm talking about playing hours of video games <laughs> well that's a good one right <laughs> yeah that's a good one I mean, that, that's the point of remembering death you, you let's let's kind of be real with ourselves mm -hmm. and the advice is for me first before anyone else the more we remember death the more successful we'll be in this life and the next life how so in this life i guess waste less time less video games it's not, not just that like you know yolo you only live once mm -hmm. there's some truth to that there's some truth to the ideology in that if we have this perspective that you know life is short um we will naturally gravitate we will naturally appreciate the beauty a little bit more okay we will naturally appreciate what we have done what we could do the blessings we have a little bit more and so uh, i believe it's abu bakr who, who said uh, pursue death and this life will be gifted to you now pursue death uh doesn't only mean kind of go wage war and jihad and that was kind of their context but the, the meaning is broader, that pursue the next life in the sense that live this life as if you're preparing for the next life, in that you're preparing for the next life, and this life will be given to you. Why? Because you will now use this life as a means to invest in your afterlife. And so Allah, assisting you, will give you this life so that you can further invest in the afterlife. And it, there's a psychological impact to that. There's a just a social impact to that. Yeah, I mean when we would go to kind of condolences in Jordan and whatnot, there's always family problems mm -hmm. in that part of it. Always family problems, family divisions and whatnot. But as soon as someone dies from the family, they all get together lovingly, they hug, etc. So when the moment of death comes, all that nonsense is kind of put off. But what if we can live life always with that perspective of death? You know, I'm not going to get mad over these small things. So it, it does wonders for the individual. Like our reactions were different. Now that you see that, I remembered before we started this recording, we had a great conversation, great topic, and I forgot to press record. So I went, oh my God, I forgot to press. I thought I was just chilling. I was like, okay, whatever, press record, let's restart. <laughs> there so you guess, go. You're right. I'm doing it.
try to live like that more now. There you go. Yeah. Our <laughs> <laughs> uh, next topic. Let's see what do we have. And speaking of youth, speaking of um, growing up here different, especially for young people here, what is it that we can do if you're a young Muslim, if you're young, if you're in high school, college, middle school, what is it that we can do, even anywhere else in America, to make sure, like, we don't stray a little bit? Well, I mean, this religion is simple. The more you learn, the more you do. Now, one thing we can do is look at what is causing Muslims to kind of go astray. And Yaqeen... Uh, two years ago in 2018 released a study about Muslims who doubt Islam. What causes those doubts? Uh, by Dr. Yusuf uh, uh, Shohud, I believe his name, his last name is. And they, they graphed the, the quantitative data in, in a very interesting chart to look at what are the primary reasons why Muslims begin to doubt Islam, if not leave Islam entirely. Now, wh what, what do you think? What do you think is like, generally speaking, the, the primary reason? Drugs, parties, for young people, women. No, not, not, to, not to live a non-Islamic life. Mm. To actually start doubting the faith. Thinking it's backwards. Okay. Thinking. Like seeing like... Backwards in what way? In like, oh, why can't people have rights? It's so backwards. Or like, this doesn't make sense. Why is it that... Who created God? If he's, if he's all creating, who... Uh, right. How so do, the, how do so we know the ideological. Sure? Yeah. Right? Interestingly enough, the ideological... Uh, reasons were, were lower on the chart. Really? Yeah. Very few Muslims, in fact, you know, um, had problems with the ideological side of Islam. This includes uncertainty over the existence of God, um, um, the debate over evolution versus creation, women's rights, etc. They were on the lower end of the chart. That's surprising. You'd think that'd be the first one. You'd think. What was the first one, or the, the higher, actually has to do with social things how people apply their religion. So number one is the way that some insist that there's only one right way to practice the faith. Okay. Number two, uh, the bad things that people do in the name of religion. Number three, the intolerance that some religi religious people show towards other faiths. And then the non-religious behavior of supposedly religious individuals. So all four, the four, top four, have to do with pe behavioral issues. How people are behaving. Right? Ideological doesn't play too much of a role. I mean, it's there, no doubt. But it doesn't play too much of a role. Now, I'm not surprised by that, to be quite honest. I'm not surprised by that. Um, it makes perfect sense, uh, although unfortunate. It makes sense that when someone sees someone who is a religious figure doing very lewd things, um, it really triggers a certain question. Now, back in the day, pre-modernity, um, what theo theologians had to do was kind of prove their theology. Does God exist? Let's prove it. Mm -hmm. Is the evidence support it? What the logical evidence? Um, is this religion the true religion? Prove it, etc. But with the onset of, of modernity, you get new ideologies such as humanism. Humanism doesn't care whether God exists or not. That, that's not the thing that they, they want to know. Right? God exists, okay. What they want to know is, so what? God exists, so what? That's the point. God exists, you got to do what he does. No, but, but so what? And so, this is the mentality people think with. It's not so much about whether God exists or not. But if he exists, so what? That's a question that 
modernity needs that theologians need to answer in modernity i think a lot of people don't really get that mm. and so when you see people saying that i began to doubt islam because of the behaviors of the religious people then we understand where that's being triggered if the religious people who are practicing and preaching learning about the religion are in no way impacted by it then what's the point of it it's a humanist question it's not an ideological question well i guess humanism is an ideology but i mean it's not a theological question it's a humanist question the number one uh what was it um that there's only one way to practice the religion people mm -hmm. are uncomfortable by that why why like did he mean like where you should hold your hand in prayer or did he mean like well that's why the question i have I'm, I'm not sure i didn't read through the entire study i don't know if they specify mm -hmm. right but i remember growing up it was known that there were slightly different ways of people kind of do things mm -hmm. if your hands above the belly under the belly down it's not a big deal i mean there are just four schools of thoughts they differed over the the secondary tertiary issues of islam but everything solid it's the same right so where is this one way of practicing now i think there are two possibilities here one is that the parents become extremely uh strict and they essentially drain and strain and, and constrain the person mm -hmm. and we don't like that we as human beings it's natural for us not to want to be confined we don't like it um, and so when the parents present a view of the religion that's very constraining it has to be this way it has to be this way it has to be this way it can't be that way it has to be this way it has to be this way right? and there's absolutely no flexibility and you're living in a, a place like america uh, that might really cause a person to double think is double check islam mm. you know double think about whether islam is really the right religion or not this doesn't make sense so that's one possibility the second possibility is it has to go back to liberalism their liberalism is it's a way of living that there's really no one right way of living especially now you're getting to post-modern post-modernism where it's really just i mean you make your own truth mm. so i mean i get this i get kind of i'm always getting questions and sometimes you can tell from kind of what the person's implying is that why do i have to do this in the religion not in a sense that i'm trying to understand the wisdom behind it but rather why why can't i do it some other way and the sisters will say, why, why do I have to, uh, why can't I fast during my, during my cycle, during my period, right? And, like, why, why can't it be optional for me? And the question is, like, you know, I want to do it my way. Don't, don't enforce this on me. I think, like, you know, if, if you have, like, a week off, I thought, like, yes, I got a week off. I don't have to fast for a week. Well, no, to be quite honest, <laughs> I wouldn't like it, to be honest. Um, it's, it's not... It's not unpious for a woman to prefer, like, man, I wish I could. You know, I wish I didn't have to remake this. I wish I'm in the mode to fast now. I'd rather just fast with everyone else instead mm -hmm. of having to make it up outside of the, uh, the the month. And now I have to worry about this and be stressed out about it until I do it. Year, you know, during the winter. It's not much, right? That's true. But I get what you're saying. Right? It's not much. Um, but but the question where it's coming from, you know, if um, uh, my analysis of the question is, is correct mm -hmm. right it's more about why do i have why can i do it another way i want to do it another way why can't i so you you hear that tone a lot in in the youth you know one one guy asked me during pm um well, why do we have to read the quran in arabic why can't we read it in, in persian he said and i'm sitting there thinking like why didn't he say english he said why can't we read it in persian and so well why do you want to read in persian why you why don't you just read in the language the author 
wrote it in or put it in. Hmm. Right? It's like, no, I, I want it. It's more convenient for me to, to do in, in whatever religion. And so where is that coming from? It could be, you know, that liberalism is just teaching us that you, you do things the way you, that, that is the, the right way for you things. The right thing for you is the way you choose to do them. And this is why you have like gender fluidity and you have homosexuality and all this. It's okay. That one imam this that is what you want to do. Is okay. What is it? You know that one imam that says, or one quote unquote, quote unquote, mufti that says party is okay. You know the guy that wears like the V-neck shirt and it's like. I don't want to start mentioning oh, names, yeah, man. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not our, right, goal here. You'll always find, you'll always find people in every generation, every place who, you know, who have a religious image, but not too much of a religious heart. Uh, not to kind of direct that to, to that individual, but I'm speaking more in general. Mm -hmm. You'll always find people like that. <clears throat> um, yeah, so what were we saying? Well, kind of scrap that talk, yeah. Um, we were talking about youth, how to stay away from it. Yeah, so you want to, you got to, for the imam or for the religious leader, they got to really focus on these things. Mm -hmm. Liberalism needs to be tackled. Now, liberalism is more than just an ideology. Right? It, it's a way of living, man. It's a way of life. So when you go to a store, you wait in line. And you would never dare think to cut in line. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought of cutting in line? Not once. Right? Why not? Because it's wrong. Yeah, it's not just like it's inappropriate. It's wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> if someone cuts in front of you, the people will be like, they should do it. There's probably a social experiment like that. To see people's reactions when you someone cuts. There's a, there's a really funny guy on YouTube. <clears throat> he would have, um, people would have like carts of food at grocery store. He'd have like one item on his hand. Oh, is it okay if I just cut? Because he has one item. They go, yeah, yeah, sure. So he goes back, grabs a whole cart and stuff, starts walking forward. <laughs> and people were so shocked. They didn't even say They just kept looking like. Right. Obviously, right. he didn't cut. Like, you're like, oh, I'm just pranking. I'm sure, going back. Sure, sure. But, I mean, let's be real here. This cutting in line, not cutting in line culture. It's not that people are thinking, okay, the person's right. This is this person's right. And if I violate that right, I'm going against this law and that law and this ideology, that ideology. They don't, we don't think about it. It's just part of our culture, mm -hmm. right? Why? Because there's a sense that that is your right. I don't have a right to transgress that, which is something good at that level. Mm -hmm. But you find that this liberalism, the ideology is so powerful. It's part of the culture, man. Go overseas. I'm sure you have experience with this in Afghanistan, right? Someone cuts. It's like, it's normal. It's like, I remember, <laughs> I remember once in Jordan, I was waiting in line to get a smoothie, man. I just wanted a smoothie. I'm waiting in line. There's about two people in front of me. And then this guy just... So I'm, I'm standing here, and you have the uh, counter over here mm -hmm. the, the, where they're, they're preparing the smoothies, right? And the guy's kind of s sneaks here, kind of fits himself in the small space between me and this uh, counter, the prep counter. And he's holding like his sister or his wife's hand, I don't know, and just goes right in front of me to the cashier. I'm not looking. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, what? <laughs> like, he couldn't understand why I was upset, as if he was doing something completely normal. You know, perhaps the idea is that well, liberalism isn't too powerful there. Mm -hmm. Part of the culture is like, okay, man, I scuff. What's the big deal? You know, you'll get your smoothie eventually. No reason to get mad. If they make lines, you say. And if I said, but in my mind, I was like, there were no lines. People just forced themselves in the yeah. front. Like the story right. with Musa and um, well with water. There's no one who's waiting. Each other just go for just it. Go for it. Yeah, so, I mean, liberalism needs to be tackled. 
Um, you can start with the ideological sense, the cultural. Uh, so for the cultural, you can't really ideologically attach, uh, attack the culture. Um, it, it's not really effect. It's not, it doesn't have much of a, uh, an effect. And so our brothers and sisters who are doing great work and, and refuting liberalism, talking about liberalism, it might impact, influence a few people, but it's not going to change a culture, right? at least not in the short term. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it just doesn't, ideology doesn't have too much of an effect on changing culture. It's culture that changes culture. And so we Muslims need a counterculture. And I don't mean that in a kind of a, a vicious, aggressive way, making tension between us and the other culture. But what I've noticed, I mean, you're, you're kind of part of that experiment, that project, that when the masjid provides a culture for the youth, they, they become attracted mm -hmm. and become attached to the masjid itself. Um, and I think we see that with, with your group. You know, starting three years ago, four years ago, the youth group. Uh, with the youth group, now you guys are becoming kind of more in, in leadership type positions, doing good work and attaching, being attached to the masjid, coming to the masjid. Um, it, it's not because I convinced you ideologically. It's because had fun, um, the, the, the masjid you know, gave you a culture. It gave you an identity. It helped show you your identity. That That's really the route. When you guys said free pizza on Fridays, I was there every Friday. There you go. <laughs> right? There you go. Got to get them when they're young. <laughs> so th that's it. I mean, it's, it's a process, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. it's, it's over. We can we can overcome it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Muslims who families who don't raise their children in a type of Muslim culture um, or a type of non. Or they don't show them an alternative to American culture. I, they'll quickly get lost, and I, I I've noticed this in my my own families. I I've noticed this in, in people that those who have a, a stronger ethnic culture in the family will not only marry within that culture, which helps preserve at least keeps them in the religion, but also um, you don't find them doubting Islam, you don't find them asking these questions. Why? Because their identity was built around an ethnicity that really goes back to, that's somehow tied to the religion. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not, I'm not, pro, uh, I'm not um, encouraging kind of this uh, ethnic understanding of Islam, right? But the idea is that culture plays a huge role. Mm -hmm. But those who were not really raised in such a culture, or it's, it's not as strong, and they became more absorbed in the American lifestyle, American culture, you find that they are more likely to marry outside the uh, ethnic culture, maybe even outside the religion, and maybe even ask those questions that indicate that there's, there's a disconnect between them and the religion from a kind of, in the sense, and from a fundamental, uh, from a fundamental kind of position. Mm -hmm. So. It's good to know. Yeah. I guess that's, I think we're good for today. There we go. Thank you guys for joining in. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.